When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. New way today. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in, MD Nation, to the program. You are listening to MD's Fantasy Football Show. We're watching it live, either way. Streaming to you on social media, at Show, And of course, subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel when you get the chance. We're streaming live there as well. Always check us out in your favorite pod streaming app after the show. And we'll be back again tomorrow. We were on earlier today. We'll be back again tomorrow on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. And then again at 9 p.m. live back on social media and on YouTube for the MD's DFS contest and lock bets of the week with Mr. Chaz Flaherty. And Chris will be joining us then as well. I'm your host, Dan Meter, for tonight. And we got the Thursday night game cast where I'll keep you up to date with any big plays, injury news that we go through while this show is live. And the Thursday night football game is also live. But we'll recap where it's at by the time this show ends to make sure I'll call up to date up until that point. But mostly we're going to be focusing in on the late slate of matchup previews for week nine, giving you the fantasy football expectations along with all of my bets, my lock bets for the week, or at least for the late games anyway. So yesterday, of course, we had the big, big show and the big news show. Where we had a lot we had to dive into. Normally speaking, when I start off these shows, I want to you know make sure I get you guys up to date in case you missed yesterday's episode. Again, though, if you missed an episode, go back and follow us along on your favorite pod streaming app. But if you did miss it, I want to make sure you guys get updated today. And yes, Dan, thank you for the update there. Heinz, TD, nice run. Uh, listen. We talked about OBJ. We talked about Aaron Rodgers yesterday, along with Henry Ruggs. We're not going to get into that again. 
I don't have much of an update for you guys other than this. On the Aaron Rodgers front, the NFL is heavily looking into whether or not protocols were in fact followed. So now, not only is Aaron Rodgers missing this game and having a, I would say, at least a 50-50 chance of missing next week's game against Seattle, he's now looking at the possibility of missing even more time if they do find anything wrong. Now, it's not a guarantee that they will, but being as if there's a lot of people who seem to think that Aaron Rodgers was going around acting like he was vaccinated, maybe they find something, maybe they don't. But if they do, it could wind up being a one-game suspension for Aaron Rodgers and make this whole thing even that much more interesting moving forward. So something to kind of keep your eye on. That's the only update I have for now, though. It's just, it's just speculation at this point, and they're looking into it. On the OBJ front, it's one of two options for OBJ. And I was, I was thinking about this earlier, and I think this is what's going to wind up happening. I wouldn't guarantee it, but I would lean towards the Cleveland Browns are trying to negotiate with OBJ to bring down his guaranteed money because they still owe him $8 million. Try to bring down his guaranteed money and then cut him and let him be free and sign with whoever he wants to sign with. Because they have to do something. They can't just cut him willy-nilly. Because if you cut him, and you're still going to have to pay him, then you really look stupid for not trading him to the Saints or to anybody before the trade deadline. If you keep him, but you don't play him, that also looks stupid because you're still playing him the entire time, and you have a talented player sitting on the bench because you as a front office failed to handle the situation properly and can't see this being eyed-eyed anymore within the locker room with OBJ, with Baker Mayfield, whatever the case may be. So the only way they can save face right now is if they can negotiate OBJ to accept less money, less guaranteed money before he's cut. So then they can go ahead and cut him just so he can go out and sign with somebody else and try to restart his career now. Now there's a lot of there's a lot of different things that could be up in the air as far as that goes. It really comes down to this, though. Is OBJ willing to accept less money to get started with his career somewhere else now? I tend to think that he would be, being how evidently obvious he wanted out of Cleveland to begin with. I think he'd be willing to do that. Because the thing about OBJ, he's still young enough where he's going to get a contract offer, maybe not the, the same value, especially not this year for the rest of the season, but if he goes somewhere else and performs well second half of the year, maybe he goes to a contender and he winds up in the playoffs and he has a nice playoff game or two, he sets himself up in a free agency that's guaranteed to have more salary cap money for the people coming in this year because the salary cap is going to double after a bad year last year. The TV contract money is kicking in. He's going to set himself up to be able to get another new contract with somebody. So we'll see. We'll see. Dan, uh, thank you for coming in. We're going to talk about AP in a little while later on in the show. Uh, and I agree, Mayfield does suck. But that this honestly, I'm not putting this on Mayfield. This isn't Mayfield's fault, what's going on right now. This is a Cleveland Browns front office fault. Because the writing had been on the wall for more than just this season. The nail in the coffin came this season. But the writing on the wall was on, the, was on there for more than just this season. All right, so other than that, these are the other injury news updates I have for you guys that we covered in yesterday's episode. Noah Fant, again, tested positive for COVID 
we don't expect him to be able to go. I am told he is vaccinated. So if he were to test negative, you know, twice within 24 hours, then he'll have a shot to be able to go on Sunday. We're leaning towards that not happening since it was midway through the week by the time he tested positive to begin with. So I'm still sticking firm on Albert O being a top streaming tight end for me this week. Dak Prescott did practice in full today as he was expected to do. So that's the good news there. And the Dallas Cowboys are hopeful Michael Gabb will make his return. They might even be more hopeful now that CeeDee Lamb didn't practice. Remember yesterday, Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb were both limited in practice. Cooper with the hamstring injury, which he's been dealing with, and he was able to practice in limited capacity again today. But then CeeDee Lamb had the ankle sprain during practice yesterday. But we're all told not to worry because Mike McCarthy said, hey, he's going to practice in limited capacity on Thursday. We're still pretty optimistic about his availability on Sunday. Bullcrap. Bullcrap. Didn't practice today. So we're going to have to watch very intently tomorrow if C.D. Lamb can do anything. If he's a did not practice again tomorrow, I would say 80% chance he's not going to go on Sunday right off the bat, if they don't just rule him out altogether. We don't know the severity of the sprain, but it's a sprain that he had on a Wednesday. Even if it's best-case scenario, a low ankle sprain, the odds are very good that they're not going to want him to suit up on Sunday. So I would say, for me, personally, again, I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but just knowing how these injuries, knowing how these things usually play out, especially when players start to miss practice, I would say CeeDee Lamb's more on the doubtful side than he is the questionable side. If he's able to put together a limited participant in practice tomorrow, then it goes back to being questionable, and I would say he probably has a decent chance of playing if he's able to actually practice at all tomorrow. But if he doesn't, start to make other contingency plans for C.D. Lamb now just in case. Don't get left holding the bag. It's unfortunate because I thought he was going to be in a really nice spot this week too. I'll leave my rankings as is right now. I had him as a high-end wide receiver too until we find out for sure. I'll update them Saturday night into Sunday morning. So that way you guys can go to bellatfantasysports.com and get the edge you need while setting your lineups. And just to further along with the Cowboy news, Tyron Smith, he actually did do some work in practice. Unclear as to how much, but still not really expected to go this Sunday. Go to the Giants. So Saquon Barkley did test negative. That's the good news. They're pretty confident it's going to be a false positive at the end of the day. The problem is this. If he had any chance to suit up for practice coming off the ankle injury this week, it got shot to hell in a handbasket because now the only day that he might come back if he tests negative again tomorrow would be tomorrow's practice. That's the only chance he has. So between us not exactly knowing if he truly was going to be ready to come off the ankle injury this week, already missing a ton of practice because of the faulty COVID tests apparently administered by the Giants earlier on in the week, I would say, and we also add on the variable that the bye week is next week, I would say that we're going to have one more week of Devontae Booker being the lead back for the New York Giants. Now, I said this before. I do have Saquon Barkley ranked for now. I will change that. And I said that if Booker is the starter again, I will have him as a top 20 back. He's been an RB2. While it hasn't been flashy, hasn't been pretty, I always love watching it, the guy's able to come through with the volume he's had Every single week for you so far. He hasn't had any duds. No duds for Devontae Booker. So the volume keeps him fantasy relevant, keeps him an RB2. You are playing him if, once again, Saquon Barkley doesn't go, which at this point, I wouldn't expect him to be able to do so. 
Latavius Murray for the Baltimore Ravens. He once again did not practice today. If he does not play, that would make Devonta Freeman the starting running back. That would make him probably the RB36 in my rankings with the touchdown potential that comes with the starting running back as the Baltimore Ravens. But again, if you have other options, I would steer in that direction. Doesn't look like Latavius Murray is going to suit up this week. Sammy Watkins did come back to practice today. So that's good news for him. It looks like he's traveling. He's going in the right direction. And it'll be interesting to watch. Like from a fantasy perspective, Sammy Watkins doesn't move the needle at all, especially with Rashad Bateman back in the mix. But what will be interesting to watch, especially with Rashad Bateman moving forward, is what's the split? What's the rotation? Is Sammy Watkins still considered the starter if everybody's healthy, or did Rashad Bateman fully take over that role? Those will be things to watch. If, in fact, Rashad Bateman did take that role from now until the rest of the season, then he'll be starting to hover in that high-end wide receiver four, low-end wide receiver three territory for me. We'll start to talk about him in redraft leagues as a possible potential play, depending upon the matchup and how good he's looking and coming along after coming outside the bye week. But if it's still Sammy Watkins then the only guy you care about is Marquise Brown and then Mark Andrews at the tight end position. So something to kind of watch on Sunday. I don't think we're going to know for sure until Sunday. Hopefully it's Bateman, but we'll find out. Jefferson's good. I, 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 meant, I made a note that he did get banged up during the game last week, but he came back in, but wasn't necessarily playing a full plethora of snaps. He's been fine throughout practice, so there's nothing to worry about there. James Robinson, for the second day in a row, did not practice. I really don't think he's going to play this week. I said that yesterday. I maintain that today. I think, if anything, he'll play next week, maybe the week after that. Here's the other thing, too. They keep saying he's day-to-day, and he avoided severe injury. And I think Chris brought this up yesterday. I don't know if I totally trust the reporting coming out of Jacksonville, but I really don't think he's going to be able to play this week, even if he can next week. In his stead, you do have a a horrible matchup against the Buffalo Bills, their number one defense in the NFL. But we've seen these backup running backs throughout this season. When they come into these roles where they're getting all the work because there's nobody else to really give the ball to, they're getting all the carries, and more importantly, especially in Carlos Hyde's case in this particular matchup, you're getting all the receptions. There's a fantasy floor to be had there. And you always had the possibility that they get inside the red zone. He scores a touchdown. Carlos Hyde is my RB 24 this week. I didn't rank James Robinson. I don't anticipate he's going to play. He is my RB 24. You can play him as a low end RB two If you find yourselves in that situation. And then we have Dawson Knox. He's still not practicing. I think he's still a week or two away before he's ready to come back. We get in the CMC. Now the wording around him yesterday was that he was very limited today. It sounded like he was just limited. I still hold fast that I'm leaning more towards the idea that he is not going to play this week. I still go back to the comments Matt roll made earlier in the week where he's 50, 50 week nine and week 10. I don't think it's going to be this week. I think they're trying to make sure that when they bring McCaffrey back this time, he's going to be 100% because this whole bringing him back and having setback thing is killing this team, especially now that Sam Darnold is showing his true colors as we get into the further point of the season. So I still maintain Chuba Hubbard is a mid-level RB2 heading into this week. Now, of course, you need to make sure you still have a contingency plan, especially if you're the, you know, the owner, you have the Chuba Hubbard in your lineup, but you're not the owner of a Christian McCaffrey. You got to make sure you have another contingency plan ready to go. So just keep that in mind. I really am still leaning towards CMC not playing this particular week. 
if he does, obviously you play him. Even if he's on a limited snap count according to CMC standards, let's say he gets 60% of the workload. He's still an RB1. So you're still going to play CMC if he is able to go. And Sam Darnold was a limited participant in practice today. Now, there were some conflicting reports here on exactly how active he was. There was one report saying that he didn't take part in the individual drills for quarterbacks. There was another one saying that later on in the non-media portion, he got listed it as he did some more work at that session. Either way, the fact that he was able to be limited on a Thursday is usually a decent indication that he's progressing along and may have a chance to play on Sunday. We'll still have to watch this practice report, but it's, it's in the right direction. And as much as I hate Sam Darnold, he's still better than P.J. Walker. So if you're a DJ Moore owner, unfortunately for you, I think you have to hope that Sam Darnold is actually under there in center, not P.J. Walker uh, heading into Sunday, because that's the only other person that really affects the running game. They'll get the, they'll get the carries, they'll get the ball, no matter who's under center. It doesn't matter. And there's nothing else for Carolina to care about, because Robbie Anderson is, should be, belongs on your waiver wire, plain and simple. And then one last note from the Carolina Panthers, Terrace Marshall, he is looking like he's going to return this week. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, there's not redraft wise. You don't really care dynasty wise. I don't know if he's plugging and playing your lineup anyway, but he does look like he's going to be on his way back. So we had the Naeem Hines touchdown the Thursday night game, just get you guys caught up. And then we had the Elijah Moore touchdown on a nice 26 yarder there. Mike White doing amazingly enough. Mike White things will keep you up to date with this game as we move forward. Let's dive into our first game on the four. Actually, no, I want to get a quick break in with our sponsor. When we come back on the other side, we're going to start to dive into our late slate of matchup previews for week nine. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back with you guys right after this. One of the best sponsors of the show is named Symbol. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L. Symbol, where Wall Street meets sports gambling in this innovative app. The Symbol brings the fun of being able to play for the long term by purchasing, selling, and trading stocks of your teams. When your teams win, you win a payout. Well, when they lose, you don't lose money the value of your team share is all that matters and it's easy to use just download the symbol app on your play store and use the promo code mds fantasy for a ten dollar deposit of at least ten dollars or more join the fun of investing in your team for the long haul where the sports book edge is put back into your hands as the player for the latest and most fun in sports gambling, download Symbol and again use the promo code MDS Fantasy for your ten dollar deposit bonus today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in MD Nation to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host Dan Mater. We're talking about. All of the late slate of week nine matchup previews for you guys this week. We're going to dissect all of our fantasy football expectations along with our bets of the week or which games we want to bet on, which games we don't want to bet on. Streaming to you live right now on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. And of course, as always, on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. 
And check us out again tomorrow because we'll be back on the Unhinged Radio Network from 6 to 7.30 on unhingedsn.airtime.pro and then back at 9 o'clock on social media and on YouTube, 9 p.m. Eastern, that is, with the MD's DFS contest, free contest, by the way, along with our lock bets of the weekend with Mr. Chaz Flaherty of EasySportsBettingData.com. A lot of things we're trying to get you guys to win money every single week. So let's dive into this thing. Let's talk about the Chargers and the Philadelphia Eagles first up right off the bat. Here's what we got, okay? You play everybody you care about for the Chargers. The good news on their front, they're one of the few teams right now, especially from a fantasy standpoint, that aren't dealing with too many injuries. Now, defensively is a different story for them. Defensively, they have a bunch of their secondary guys are have not practiced to this point. Uh, Davis and Asante Samuel Jr., Kenneth Murray, though, may be on his way back. I doubt it'll be this week, but he's maybe on his way back. So defensively, they might be a little bit undergunned there against the Philadelphia Eagles. But offensively, they're good to go. Justin Herbert's a top 10 quarterback for me. I have my QB8. Austin Eckler at RB4. Keenan Allen's my wide receiver 16. Mike Williams, my wide receiver 14 heading into this matchup. And I want to talk about that real quick. Because everybody's starting to cool their jets a little bit on Mike Williams. That's fine. He wasn't going to perform as a top eight wide receiver all season long. But I, I wanted I want to make you guys just hold on. I step on the gas a little bit. Take your foot off the brake when it comes to Mike Williams. Just a little bit. Maybe he's not that mid-level wide receiver one, but he's still at the very least a high-end wide receiver too. Look at the wide receivers this year. Unless you have Cooper Cup or Jamar Chase. You don't have an elite, consistent receiver right now. Should have been Devontae Adams. Should have been Stephon Diggs. Should have been Tyreek Hill. Adams dealing with Rodgers issues and COVID. Tyreek Hill dealing with a frustrating Kansas City Chiefs offense. Stephon Diggs not seeing the same target share that he saw last year. There's a lot of receivers hovering in one area or the other. Okay? So, cool it. Hit the gas a little bit on Mike Williams. He's only two games removed from having a three-touchdown performance. He's still running a bigger and better route tree than he ever has at any point in his career. This is a good system, a good setup for him. And I still value him a little bit more than Keenan Allen. Why? He still has the big play, still has more touchdowns in his potential than Keenan Allen does. I know last week Keenan Allen scored, but this has never been a guy who's gotten more than five or six touchdowns in a season. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. So don't worry about that. I have my wide receiver 14, wide receiver 16. You're playing both of them. But I've seen a lot of people this week talking about we want to sell high on Mike. And look, if you can... If you can sell Mike Williams, you can package them together, you could upgrade, fine. Go ahead and do it. I'm not gonna, I'm never gonna tell you no on a trade if it makes sense. 
but don't actively look to just sell him off because you think after one bad performance, two bad only has had two bad performances this entire year. And there's one bad performance coming out of the bye that he suddenly, you know, Mike Williams of old. And remember the game before the bye, he was dealing with a knee issue. He wasn't a hundred percent. He was out there more to be a decoy. Just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Dan asked me about George Kittle. George Kittle is my tight end six this week. He's practicing again. He should be fine along with Elijah Mitchell and uh, Debo Samuel. We'll talk about that game in a little while longer in the show. Stay tuned to the MD's fantasy football show. On the other side of this matchup between the Chargers and the Philadelphia Eagles, we have, of course, we have the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. A lot of conversation about him in the fantasy industry, which I do get to some degree. Look, he's a guy who's been kind of playing with fire this entire season where he waits all the way until that back in the third quarter, fourth quarter, to actually put together the majority of his fantasy points. So he's always kind of a danger that he's going to leave you hanging with the bag at that 12-point mark. And then he turns it on. He gets a couple rushing touchdowns. They move the offense in the fourth quarter because the other team's playing prevent defense. Now we, now we go back to last week against the Detroit Lions. Everyone's freaking out. Well, they beat him 44-6. to Jalen Hurts did nothing. The Eagles ran the football. Context, people. Context. And I'm gonna. This goes for Boston Scott too. This kind of goes hand in hand here because people are all charging hard on Boston Scott and cooling off on Jalen Hurts, and it should be the opposite way around. Jalen Hurts is consistently going to be in a game script where he's going to have to come back from behind. Why? A couple things. He's not a good quarterback. The Eagles aren't a good team, and most of the time, you're not going to be playing a team like the Detroit Lions. So when he has to come back from behind or it's a neutral game script, you can guarantee at least by the second half, Hurts is going to have to put up some fantasy points. Number two quarterback on the, on the year. Nothing changed. They had an odd game script, an abnormal game script for this team last week where they not only did run the ball, something they have not done, have not chosen to do this entire season, but did it very, very effectively because it's a crappy Detroit Lions. So I'm not worried about this. And that goes hand in hand with my Boston Scott. Boston Scott's RB28 for me. Everyone seems to be going after this guy. I want to plug and play him. They're all excited because the Chargers are a bad team against the run, and they are. But then I go back to what I just talked about with Hurts. This is the first game that the Eagles chose to actually try to run the football and stay committed to it for four quarters. And it's only because they're up 44 to six and won the game 44 to six, I should say. And it was working so effectively. Jordan Howard's not going to be effective against the Chargers. Boston Scott might be okay. But let's rewind when they had Miles Sanders here. Miles Sanders is better than all of them from a talent perspective. What did they not do with Miles Sanders? They didn't run the ball. They chose not to run the football. I don't know why after one game against a really crappy team, all of a sudden the narrative has done a complete 180 on what the Philadelphia Eagles offense does. Doesn't make any sense. Boston Scott's an RB28. If you want to play him as a flex because he's in a good matchup and you have some bye weeks this week and you need a spot start, fine. Fine. I get that part of it. But a lot of people right now, ECR, they got him as top 24. They got him as an RB2. No way. No way. And in this game, Kenneth Gainwell, who is the main receiving back, we have evidence of that because Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, not involved when they, they didn't pass the ball very much, but not involved when they did. Not involved at all when they did. Kenneth Gainwell still ran the most routes. 
it's going to be Gainwell against the Chargers when they have to come back from behind in the fourth quarter. I know Boston Scott has that skill set, but they have pigeonholed Gainwell. You receive the ball. When we are looking to pass and go two-minute drill and we're on third and long, you're in the ballgame. It's your role. So Gainwell actually comes in at RB35 for me this week in half-point PPR leagues. He's a top 36 play. He's a low-end flex play. Now, do I want to play that? No. If I have another option to go with, I'll do it. But it's to illustrate the point that his role didn't disappear and his game script will be much more like the other ones with the Eagles, not what it was last week for the Detroit Lions. Devonta Smith comes in at wide receiver 31 for me. It's been brutal. And this isn't a good matchup on paper, but I go back to what I mentioned before about the Chargers injury issues. Nothing on offense, but defensively, you throw your hands up in the air. Chris Harris may have to come out of the slot and play the perimeter. We don't know if they're going to have Davis or Asante Samuel Jr. this week. It's not looking like they might. So this might be a better matchup than what's initially looking like for Devonta Smith this week. And yeah, even that may not matter, right? Because Hurts is still a 50% completion quarterback. And that's really the main issue for Devonta Smith. So he could get 10 targets and still only get five receptions for 45 yards. But we have seen games where he's gone over 100, he's gotten six or seven receptions, and we go back to the game script. I expect the Eagles have to come back from behind. This is a game that sets up for Devonta Smith to at least have some value, to at least have a floor. So he's at wide receiver 31 for me. I wouldn't say he has this big ceiling. He doesn't have big upside, but he does have a volume-based floor heading into this matchup, depending on what your options are. And then the guy that I feel the best about of all the Philadelphia Eagles, besides Jalen Hurts for fantasy football purposes, is Dallas Goddard. Through it all, whether it's been trying to come back from behind or even last week, Dallas Goddard has been the leading receiver since Zach Ertz left and went to Arizona. He's my tight end for this week. The Chargers actually have not been that great against tight ends in general to begin with. So Dallas Goddard is a must play for me, and I feel confident about him really the rest of the season. When we look at betting this game, I know the Chargers disappointed me last week. I thought for sure they would beat and cover the New England Patriots. Apparently, Bill Belichick has the mental game edge on Justin Herbert. He hasn't figured out when it comes to the blueprint. Remember last season, Herbert was riding high, and then all of a sudden he played one game against Bill Belichick, and suddenly it was like everybody was gifted the blueprint on what to do with Justin Herbert. I do, part of me does wonder if that happens again this season. But for this game... Chargers are the better team. I know they're going from west to east, but this is a four o'clock game. So the time change kind of nullifies a little bit. This is it would be a normal one o'clock game for the Chargers. And remember, the clocks roll back. So you're gonna get that extra hour of sleep the night before. I just think there's a lot of factors coming into here where I'm not so worried about the Chargers going from west to east coast, especially not as I normally would be under other circumstances. This is not a good Philadelphia Eagle team. Make no mistake about it. The line set at minus two for the Chargers. I expect the Chargers to win and cover that line. Now, the over-under set at 49 and a half. I don't know that it reaches that. Now, I'm not going to bet that either way. I don't know the Chargers go in the Philly and light the place up. And equally, I don't think the Philadelphia offense suddenly figured it all out and is going to be able to come back and score a bunch of points and not be what we've seen them be for seven out of eight games. So I am going to bet the Chargers minus two. I will call it one of my lock bets of the week. So we'll keep track. We'll keep an eye on that. Let's move into our next game. 
which has a lot of storylines. That's the one thing I will say this week, especially compared to last week. Last week, the four o'clock games were blah. Other than the Saints, Tampa Bay, it, it was blah because you didn't think anything interesting was going to happen. This week, at least, you have some interesting storylines. I think the Chargers-Philadelphia game is an interesting storyline. I think also, well, I don't even have to think about this. I know an interesting storyline here is between the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. So we're going to finally see Jordan Love in action against a bad Chiefs defense. Devontae Adams is back. Alan Lazard is back. You have Aaron Jones. You have A.J. Dillon. Matt LaFleur showed that he can keep the game plan, game script real simple for his team and keep the offense ahead of the chains when he needs to when his back is against the wall the week previous to against the Arizona Cardinals in Thursday Night Football. When he didn't have Devontae Adams, they had to lean very heavily on the run game. I don't see why that game script that they used against the Cardinals, it should be the same game script that they use for the Kansas City Chiefs. It should be. It should be exactly the same. Run the ball, control the clock, keep Mahomes off the field. Make it very easy for Jordan Love to be successful. Allow him to use play action. Use Aaron Jones in motion. Are you in zone? Are you in man? Make everything very simple. Let A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones in a great matchup against a poor run defense control the game, control the clock. You're a slow-paced offense this year anyway. Continue to be so. Continue to be so. So that's what I'm going to be interested in here. Jordan Love, by the way, fantasy football purposes, he's he's QB 20. I usually don't even talk about quarterbacks who fall that range, but I think everyone's kind of curious, like, well, where do you have him ranked at? Got my QB 20. He's not a streaming option. I don't know why you would even consider him, frankly. We have no idea what he's actually going to bring to the table because we there's no film on Jordan Love. We got one preseason game, basically. That's it. That's all we got. So we got to wait and see. Aaron Jones, on the other hand, because I just laid out what I think the game plan would be, it would make the most sense. We already saw it work against the Cardinals. It should work against the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe even better. Aaron Jones is the top five running back for me this week. You got to be very excited about that. You know that even the rushing game aside for a split second, when, this, when it comes to the passing game, you know the passing game's going to be real simple. It's Devontae Adams is the open, if not, Make the safe play. Check it down to Aaron Jones. That's going to be the majority of the passing game heading into this. So I expect Aaron Jones to be, once again, a candidate to go 100 yards from scrimmage. Whether he gets 100 yards rushing or receiving, I don't know. But I think he will definitely get 100 yards from scrimmage and have a very good chance for touchdowns. That's another thing I'll bring up. Everyone's kind of, you know, they get a little bit concerned sometimes about A.J. Dillon getting worked in a little bit more as the season has gone on. And that's true. It's been in spurts, though. It's been a pre-game script plan, depending upon the situation. I do think A.J. Dillon will be pretty well involved in this game. I do think he has an opportunity to get 15 carries, especially if they're able to control this game the way I think they would want to, the way they did against the Cardinals, and the way they would want to against the Chiefs. He comes in at RB31 for me. But the one thing I've noticed, which keeps, well, two things, really, that keeps Aaron Jones well ahead of A.J. Dillon when it comes to fantasy football purposes, besides talent is obviously the receiving game. Even though they talked about, you know, wanting to get A.J. Dillon more involved in the receiving game after that one game, they had four catches and a touchdown. He hasn't been involved in the receiving game since. Not not from a target standpoint, not from a routes run standpoint, nothing. So that's going out the window. That's all Aaron Jones. And the red zone. A.J. Dillon doesn't come in on the red zone. 
It's 75% of the opportunities go to Aaron Jones, 25% go to A.J. Dillon. So Aaron Jones is the one who has the better probable chance to score a touchdown. But A.J. Dillon is still somebody, like I said, I think he gets 12 to 15 carries, and that amount of usage against the Kansas City Chiefs does bring him in as an RB3 for me this week. And, of course, we get to the next big question. Devontae Adams finally back after last week missing for COVID. You had to scramble to make plans last week. That was a pain. I know. I get it. And then I think this week you had to ask yourselves, well, what's the ceiling? Well, look, I got about wide receiver eight. Because if nothing else, keep in mind two things. It's the Chiefs, and he's got the target share. Jordan Love is essentially a rookie quarterback. I know technically he's not, but essentially he's a rookie quarterback. What do young quarterbacks with little experience do? They lock, they check down and they lock on to their number one target read. So the target share will go to Devontae Adams. I'm not worried about that. He's a special talent and a great matchup. He's a wide receiver eight. There should be no questions whether or not you're playing him anyway. But if you're trying to figure out what his ceiling is, I still think he's a wide receiver one ultimately a top 10 guy heading into this matchup, even with Jordan Love as a starting quarterback. So now we talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. And Mahomes does come in at QB4 for me, but I wanted to fight it. I did. When I do my rankings, I go through my numbers, I go through my algorithms, and I, I, I look at all this stuff, and I try to say, okay, objectively, you know, and by the numbers, what is this telling me? And then... After that, we have to say, okay, with Mahomes, can he play the way he's supposed to? Can he play the way he's supposed to? I don't know. He hasn't been a top five quarterback in a few weeks. I don't know. So when I put him at four, I have to tell you, Everything logically, everything logically says that's a good move. That's where he belongs. It's a great matchup. Green Bay Packers defense stinks. He's Patrick Mahomes. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey should have the opportunity to eat. You're in a nice spot here against a backup quarterback, which generally speaking would mean shorter drives. You get more opportunities on offense. But the problem is this. It doesn't matter who they play. They have had the opportunity to make a resurging statement on offense two weeks in a row. They played against Tennessee, who's one of the worst defenses in the NFL, even worse than Green Bay. And they played the Giants. Same situation. One of the worst defenses in the NFL, even worse than Green Bay. They put up duds in both games. I mean, they really dudded out against the Tennessee Titans, but it was still a dud on Monday Night Football against the Green Bay Pack or against the New York Giants. So just because it's a good matchup on paper, it doesn't seem to mean anything right now. Until they get refocused on what makes them great. If you want to ask what makes them great, it's the motioning, the bunch formations. It's the scheming guys open. You're not just line. They don't just they don't line guys up and just say, get open. The Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, they can do that. But that's not what they did consistently over the past few years. They put Hill in motion. They put Hill in a bunch of formations. They design it so Travis Kelsey gets the block and then come off of his block, run up the seam and is wide open or runs a hook, runs a pattern in the middle of the inside. They're not doing that. They're not doing the simple stuff. And they're one-dimensional. Last week, they kind of got back to the running game a little bit and it worked for a few drives, but then they came right off of it again. 
soon as it was successful. Because Andy Reid can't help himself with Mahomes on the field. That's the issue. So Mahomes is my QB4. If you have him, you're playing him. You have to start him. There's no way you don't. But I don't trust that his ceiling's top five, even when it should logically be so. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, same thing. Tyreek Hill's my wide receiver too. Now, I have less issues with Tyreek Hill because as we've seen, even while Mahomes and that offense struggles, he's getting a crazy target share. And he's Tyreek Hill. And the other thing about him is that he's getting healthier. Kind of saw a little bit last week. He looked a little bit more explosive last week than he did the previous two weeks. He's trying to get through that quad injury. He's not getting listed as a limited participant in practice anymore. He's practicing in full. So everything you would hope for, you're getting out of Tyreek Hill. He'll have those bigger games sooner rather than later. But as long as he has his target share, you're fine. You got a safe floor. Travis Kelsey has to get back on track. I'm not really worried about Travis Kelsey. I certainly would not be selling Travis Kelsey for anybody out there who was thinking about that for one bad performance. He'll get back on track as well. That's the one good thing about Kelsey and Hill. The offense can kind of struggle around them. They might not have these big, high-flying games that they were having, and Mahomes can struggle around them, but because the volume is so consolidated around those two, they're still going to be you know, very good for you fantasy-wise. So that's why you don't have to worry about that. Let's talk about betting. Oh, Darrell Williams, excuse me. We got to talk about Darrell. Darrell Williams is an RB2. He comes in an RB22. No, I am not worried about Derek Gore suddenly taking over. Keep in mind, this is where I, I urge people to look at the rewatch games on Game Pass and look at utilization reports. Derek Gore got 90% or 80% of his carries all in that one drive that they spelled Darrell Williams. Okay. I'm not worried about Derek Gore. He wasn't a thing throughout the entire game. He had one good drive. Does he maybe get a drive again this game? One or two drives to give Darrell Williams a breather? Probably. It's not a split. It's not a committee. We're not worried about it. So he's an RB22. It's a good match against the Green Bay Packers. So let's talk about betting this game. Let's get on that real quick. And the line jumped, as, as was pretty much reported on. The line jumped when Aaron Rodgers is going to be listed as out. It's come down a little bit since then. So I think people are starting to remember, oh, wait a minute. That's right. Kansas City is terrible against the line. <laughs> Absolutely awful. And you do look at this as like, look, if the, if the Green Bay Packers come out and run a similar game plan, the other thing is the Arizona Cardinals, Jordan Love doesn't have to do too much. So he may not become the hindrance that he was. Keeping this game close, keeping this game relatively low scoring, all those things would favor the Green Bay Packers in this game. So whether they win or not, I think there's a decent chance they come within the line here. Now, the line now, it was 8.5. It's now down to 7.5. If the Chiefs were actually playing well right now, I'd be jumping all over that. But they're not. They're not scoring a ton of points. They're keeping games close. They're only winning in the end against inferior teams. Well, with the exception of Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay is not as inferior of a team. So if I would bet anything, I would actually take the Packers plus seven and a half here. Now, it's not going to be one of my lock bets of the week. I'm not telling you to lock this one in at all. But if I was going to bet anything on this game, it would be the Packers plus seven and a half. I think their running game will keep this game low scoring and within reach the entire time. I think they cover. Or, they, or Yeah, I think Green Bay covers. 
So let's let's move on. We got a couple, we got a few more games we want to talk about here for the night. Of course, we got the mailbag segment for you guys at the end of the show too. And keep your comments coming. If you're on the live stream, we'll get to them as we go through. Now we can, Dan, if you're still watching, we can get into the San Francisco game here because we wanted to ask about George Kittle. Again, he practiced today. We're expecting him back. They'll probably wait till either tomorrow or Saturday morning to activate him off the IR list. Debo Samuel, that one was a question for me. They listed him as a limited participant in practice. Now, maybe he did after the media portion. Maybe he did some individual drills. That part, not entirely sure about. But going into it, he was first reported as being seen on the bike, not participating in practice. So I'm a little bit conflicted on exactly what Debo Samuel did today. Officially, though, is listed as a limited participant in practice. Now, like I said, Shanahan has been consistent with his narrative on Debo Samuel is going to play this Sunday. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. However, I keep bringing up the point that with Debo, the calf injury has always been an issue throughout his entire history. Throughout his entire history. So when you see calf issues flare up, it's something you have to pay attention to, even if the narrative around him is that it's not very concerning at the moment. And of course, it's a big deal. We're talking about a guy who's a top five receiver this year. So we'll continue to watch it. If he can't go, if something happens, he has a setback, he's not able to go on Sunday, Brandon Ayuk, bet your bottom dollar, is a play. Now, I can't say for sure exactly where I'd have him ranked until we get the official news that that would happen, and right now it's not leaning that way, but I'd have to say he'd probably be in my top 24. There's a very strong chance that Brandon Ayuk would jump to my top 24. So now that you get the last week, the usage looking more promising for IU because he finally played like he was a starting wide receiver from a snap percentage standpoint. But then you get the possibility that Debo Samuel goes out of the fold. Well, Brandon Ayuk would t- take over completely the Debo Samuel role within that offense, which that entire offense has been built around, whether the George Kittle's out there or not, has been built around Debo Samuel operating as the number one pass catcher on that team. And then Brandon Ayuk will get to run all those routes, all those crossers over the middle, lining up in the slot, being able to use the wheel routes, getting the screens. All that would go to Brandon Ayuk like we saw last year. So bet your bottom dollar he would be a top 24 receiver if Debo could not go. Now, again, I can't stress this enough. That's not what's expected to happen here. It's expected that Debo is going to play, but something to watch. I would feel a lot better if he has a decent practice report tomorrow. But George Kittle, Elijah Mitchell, we feel pretty good about them playing on Sunday. Jeff Wilson, we still don't know if he's going to get activated yet, but he's been practicing. He still has a 21-day window. We'll see what happens. 
We just had another touchdown here. Carson Wentz, the Jack Doyle. I didn't get you caught up on the other one. Jonathan Taylor had a touchdown. And Mike White had to go down. He was in the blue tent looking at his uh, right arm wrist area. So Josh Johnson's actually in on quarterback. So we'll see what happens there. The magic might be wearing off now with the Colts pulling ahead. So the rest of the San Francisco, look, Elijah Mitchell plays. He's an RB14. You play him. He's a mid-level. You you like the match because Arizona. I know on paper, it's going to look as a negative matchup to you, no matter what platform, you, whether ESPN, Yahoo, wherever. It, it's going to look like it's a negative matchup for him. That's not actually the case. Without J.J. Watt, you can run very successfully on the Arizona Cardinals. You just saw the Green Bay Packers do it. They had no threat of a passing game, and they did whatever they wanted as far as running the football on them a week ago. Without J.J. Watt, this is not the same run defense at all. This is a very finesse defense, not a lot of style up front. You can run on this team. So I expect a big game out of Elijah Mitchell if he's good to go, which it looks like he is. Debo, if he plays the wide receiver three, George Kittle is my tight end six on the week. You're playing him as a top 10 option. I don't like his, I don't like the way they use him. I don't like the way they use him. I don't know if George Kittle becomes a top three tight end at any point this season. I don't know. He has the potential. He has the talent to do so. Of course he does. The problem is this. They don't utilize him in the red zone. And that goes back his entire career. For a tight end who's as great as he is, he does not score touchdowns. And he doesn't get featured in the offense the way, say, a Darren Waller does to make up for it. So he's a tight end six for me. I like a lot of other tight ends, but he's still he's still number one tight end. If you have him, you've been stashing him, you, you play him this week. There's no question about that. On the Cardinals side of things, Kyler Murray is somebody that I am having a tough time with. He's my QB six for now. But here's the he's got a few issues going against him. When he does not run, he's not a very good fantasy quarterback. In fact, him finishing inside the top 10 becomes quite a struggle when he doesn't run. I guarantee you, he ain't running on this bum ankle, even if he plays. Because, by the way, he hasn't practiced the last two days. Now, Cliff Kingsbury did make the point to say, look, he's somebody that doesn't need to practice, and he can still play on Sunday, which I don't doubt that for a split second. But he ain't going to run if he does. Something I have to keep an eye on there. So I, right now I have a QB six, but I might be moving him down a little bit before we get to Sunday morning. And I'm getting confirmation now that Mike White is putting his helmet on, so he might be going back into this ball game uh, sooner rather than later. Good news for Mike White. DeAndre Hopkins has not practiced the last couple of days. You know my thoughts on that. If you listened to yesterday's show when I talked about this update, he should not play. He should not play. If he does play, I'd be very concerned about him just being a decoy out there. But the problem is he's DeAndre Hopkins playing as a San Francisco 49er team that has no corners. So I'd like to be able to take advantage of that. If he does play, he's a wide receiver 17 for me, though. He's not a wide receiver one. I have him on the lower side, the mid-level wide receiver two range, the low-end wide receiver two range, because I am very worried that he would just be a decoy. Now, we saw him in a decoy role against the Green Bay Packers, and he still had, you know, what, 70 yards. So that, that's DeAndre Hopkins for you. That's why you still got to play him, still got to be ranked. He's always a threat. He's a tough guy. But if he keeps playing on the hamstring injury, he's setting himself up to go on an IR stint at some point. So I hope for his sake, 
for his longevity. And even if you're, you're a redraft fantasy owner, I think you're hoping he does not play this week. You don't have to worry about you know, whether he's a decoy or not, what kind of value you're going to get out of him. And for the long run, for your playoff run, it would actually benefit you more for Hopkins to sit and take some time off. It would. Now, let's say he does miss. We know A.J. Green is probably going to be out because of the COVID situation he's dealing with. What do you do about Christian Kirk and Rondale Moore? Well, look, right now I have it ranked as A.J. Green out, Hopkins playing. Kirk comes in as my wide receiver 35, so I do have him as low-end wide receiver 3. Rondale Moore, my wide receiver 41, so I have him as a higher-end wide receiver 4. That's with Hopkins in the lineup. You take Hopkins out, here's what happens. Kirk bounces out to the outside. Rondale Moore comes in the slot. Again, 49er secondary, abysmal, something I think you can take advantage of. Kyler Murray, not running, is going to throw the ball quite a bit more. The other aspect of Kyler Murray not running He's going to want to get the ball out of his hands a little bit faster, which benefits a la Chase Edmonds, who we'll talk about in a second. And I think in this case would benefit Rondale more because I would expect him to be the slot receiver if Hopkins is not out there playing. So I would probably actually wind up having more ranked a little bit ahead of Christian Kirk in this game because I think he, more volume would head towards his way, his direction. Both of them would probably be in that high-end wide receiver three territory for me, though. I think both could be very viable plays for you if Hopkins misses. Now, if Hopkins goes, like I said, it goes back to Christian Kirk is that wide receiver three because I think they'll lean on him. He'll still play the inside. And Rondell Moore could probably get sprinkled in on a more often basis, making him an upside wide receiver four. So that's where I'm at, whether Hopkins plays or doesn't play when it comes to Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore. Keep your eye on that because these are guys that are widely available on the waiver wire. So if you have to pick up and play and you need a spot start, I'm keeping my eye on that Arizona Cardinal wide receiving corps right now. Now, Chase Edmonds, James Conner. I do have Edmonds at running back 19. I'm a little bit concerned. That seems like coming off the Thursday night game from last week, and we saw it in that game, though, although he was able to come back in, he took a hard shot, and it looked like he might have re-aggravated that shoulder injury that he was kind of dealing with. He practiced in a limited capacity yesterday, did the same again today. Here's why that's concerning to me, even though he came back in. We saw what a Chase Edmonds looked like I guess the 49ers, because that's actually the first week that we saw it, when he's on a limited week of practice with a bum shoulder. He doesn't, he's he's the number two running back. He doesn't play the most snaps. He doesn't get the most carries. He's still the main pass catcher, but they just don't really involve him much at all in that aspect. They just don't involve the running backs catching the football very much. So that's the issue with Chase Emmons. That's why I'm a little bit concerned about if he's going to be limited throughout this entire week, what's your value really? Because he didn't do anything against the San Francisco 49ers the first time around that happened. But then what happened What happened last week? Well, what happened against the Houston Texans and then followed up with the Green Bay Packers? Well, he practiced in full on Friday, came off the injury report, and he was actually a full go. They used him that way. If he's limited tomorrow, I think he's going to be limited in the game. Right now, I have it ranked as if he'll be full go and we don't have as much to worry about as what I'm saying I'm concerned about at the moment. If he does, he's at RB19. Because again, going back to it, I think they're going to have to lean on him more so than did the first matchup as far as the pass game goes because Kyler Murray is going to want to get the ball out of his hands. So I do think you're going to have to lean on him a bit more in that instance, which is why he's my RB19, James Conner, my RB25. Because nobody has more touchdown potential than James Conner does this season at the running back position, period. Period. 
James Conner leading running backs and touchdowns. Who to thunk? Who to thunk? If Edmonds is going to be limited, Connor would probably be a solid RB too. I wouldn't move him up too much more than that because his role is still clearly defined. He might get a few more carries, but you're still banking on the touchdown for his fantasy value. So he wouldn't move up too much more, but he is a very high-end flex play this week, possibly a spot start at your RB2 spot. And that pretty much goes for almost every week. The last guy to talk about would be Zach Ertz. He's my tight end seven. He, like Dallas Goddard, now that they're both free of each other, they're both top 10 tight end ones every single week regardless of matchup. I don't even have to give you analysis on that one. You're playing them every single week. So let's talk about the betting lines on this game between the San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. It's very, very interesting because there's a lot of different ways this game could go. How healthy is Kyler Murray? San Francisco, did they find something last week when they beat up on the Chicago Bears offensively moving forward? Because offensively, they had struggled until last week. You got Cardinals who are banged up. Are they able to take advantage of that aspect of it? Some interesting lines. It could go a lot of number different ways, I believe, in this matchup. As I try to find it here. <laughs> the, here's what I will say. I'm going to take the 49ers in this game. I don't feel great about it, but I'm going to take the 49ers on the money line this game. A banged up Kyler Murray is a pocket passing Kyler Murray. A pocket passing Kyler Murray is not a good quarterback. They're not. Proven it time and time again. So that's the issue. A pocket passing quarterback of Kyler Murray makes that Arizona Cardinal offense anemic at times. The offense is built around him to be stationary. So I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers to win this game outright on the money line. When we come back, we have more games to preview, like the Sunday night and Monday night matchups, and of course, the mailbag statement for you guys. So stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back with you guys right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. It's football season, baby, and you know what that means? It means we're going for two here with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time for you to join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. It's three and out the window with all the other hair trimmers. Now go tame that wildcat offense. As the world is starting to open, the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside, you'll find their brand new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver, Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts, Performance Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media, at Show, and, of course, subscribe to the Fantasy Football Show, the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel, that is. Make sure you check us out in your favorite pod streaming app after the show. 
And we'll be back tomorrow from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. And, of course, at 9 p.m. for the MD's DFS Contest and Lock Bets of the Week with Mr. Chaz Flarty from Sports Betting Weekly and Chris Dauhauer will be joining the show again tomorrow night. So we've been previewing the late slate of games for Week 9. By the way, to give you an update on the uh, Thursday night game, Mike White not coming back into the game. Apparently, it is Josh Johnson. He was trying to, but not. We'll keep you up to date on that as we move along here. We've got the Tennessee Titans and the Los Angeles Rams in the Sunday night matchup. So the big question on everybody's mind, what is the Tennessee offense going to look like without Derrick Henry? There's no real easy way to answer that until we actually get some evidence of it on Sunday, right? But we have to set our expectations before we head into these matchups. So let me start off with it with the Ryan Tannehill aspect of it all. Because what I've been hearing all week is that Tennessee Titans will have to become a more pass-happy offense. And this is going to benefit Ryan Tannehill's fantasy value. If Julio Jones ever gets healthy, maybe he's a sleeper second half of the season and A.J. Brown continues to be the wide receiver one that he already is anyway. I agree with the first part. I do agree that, yes, without Derrick Henry, Tennessee will throw the ball a bit more. Derrick Henry was getting 30 carries a game. So, of course, they're going to throw the ball a bit more than they did when they had Derrick Henry. However, I disagree that that makes Ryan Tannehill a better fantasy asset. Look at the numbers. Going back from Miami, but even on Tennessee, even the games in which they didn't utilize Derrick Henry that much, maybe he missed a quarter here or there, or even last week, when Derrick Henry's not on the field, and they are throwing the ball more. Ryan Tannehill is not as good. He's not that quarterback that you want throwing the ball 35, 40 plus times a game. You don't want him doing that. Ryan Tannehill is good when he gets to be efficient. He's quality over quantity. That's what Ryan Tannehill is. He needs play action. He needs the RPO action at the goal line to possibly get a few rushing touchdowns in. That whole offense is built off the running of Derrick Henry, including Ryan Tannehill. Being more pass-happy makes him less efficient, makes the receiving game less explosive. So I don't like this for Ryan Tannehill. I don't want the extra volume. And I was very happy when they signed AP. Why? Not that I think AP can put up Derrick Henry-like numbers anymore, but because it meant that they were going to at least try, initially anyway, to keep the same style of offense that they're doing. Will they still probably throw it a bit more than they would have? Yes. But as long as they keep the same style, the same pillars in place for their offensive scheme, then at least Ryan Tannehill maybe can operate at a normal-ish rate, utilizing the things that have made him very good since he became a Tennessee Titan. And he finally just got started turning around the corner from a fantasy perspective the last couple of games, too. I don't want that to go away. Ryan Tannehill's famous for his second-half stretches to your championship week. So you have that aspect of it. Ryan Tannehill comes in at QB 14 for me this week. Dan, you want to talk about Julio Jones? That's what we're going to talk about right now. By the way, when I say Dan, it's Dan commenting for, uh, on, on one of our social media channels, uh, not talking to the third person. I had somebody ask me that the other day. Like, 
We said, Dan, you're talking about this third person. I'm like, no, 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 no. We have we have commenters, and, and Dan's one of our one of our good uh good regulars that we'd like to have here. And again, comment to the show throughout throughout the live show. We'll get to your questions as we go through this thing. Talk about Julio Jones. You should just retire already. That was his comment there. If you if you're not watching this on, on the live stream, I I have to disagree from the standpoint of when he plays, he does still look like Julio Jones. He gets open. He looks explosive. He gets down the field. The problem is he's so fed up with the narrative around him about always being banged up that he tries to play through injuries he has no business playing through, like this hamstring issue, which has been a perennial issue with him for the last half of his career anyway. But it stays with him throughout the entire year every single time because he consistently tries to play through it. I just got done talking about hamstring issues with DeAndre Hopkins. It's just no different with Julio Jones. It doesn't get better when you play on it. So rest. The best thing for Julio would have been if last week the Tennessee Titans said, look, we're putting you on the short-term IR. You're going to sit the next three weeks, and you're going to get healthy. Okay? And then you'll come back after that. I don't think they, they should do it now still. I don't think they're going to. Because now you have Derrick Henry out, I think in their minds they're thinking, we do need to lean a little bit more in the passing game. We need Julio out there to be that second threat to A.J. Brown to hopefully help make our passing attack lethal. Well, now you have the problem of, okay, great. Julio Jones practiced in limited capacity the last two days. So now he's trending towards being active on Sunday. But what do you do with him? You can't trust the playoff four quarters. As soon as the guy gets targeted three times, he's out again with the hamstring issue. And as, as soon as he feels tightness, because they try to be cautious with him, they have him out there on the field. Just don't play him. Nonetheless, I have Julio Jones ranked at wide receiver 48 because I can't trust him to play four quarters, even if he's active and out there. So you are going out on a limb. You're going out on a limb if you have to play Julio Jones. Hopefully, you do not. If he ever gets healthy at some point, I do still have hopes for him to turn it around. But until that point, no. A.J. Brown's wide receiver six for me. Got this question a lot this week. Jalen Ramsey, do you expect him to shadow A.J. Brown? No. Remember, Jalen Ramsey's been playing that star position all season long. I think the only receiver this year that he shadowed to this point was D.K. Metcalf. And I'm, I'm pulling that off the top of my head. I'm not actually looking at that right now, but I'm pretty confident it's only been DK Metcalf this entire season. So on, on one hand, if Julio were to not play, you could see the Rams making an argument like, well, just go out there and cover AJ Brown. That's their only offensive weapon left. And that would make sense. It would. So maybe from that standpoint, they also want Julio out there to be a decoy because maybe they choose not to do that if they have both Julio and AJ Brown. But ultimately, I'm not that worried about it. They move A.J. Brown all along the formation. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people. 
but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Look at last week. Derrick Henry went down. He was kind of still out there, but wasn't effective. Julio Jones wasn't out there. They had nobody at wide receiver. And A.J. Brown was still, he was lining up in the slot at times, right and left. They moved him around. They do a good job with that. And that's usually when he starts to flourish as a fantasy number one receiver, too. That's not going to change. So I don't think Ramsey's going to follow him everywhere around the field. He'll see his fair share of them. Don't get me wrong. But between the, the volume that he's going to have to get in this game, because I do think Tennessee's going to lose this game and have to come back from behind and have to put up quite a bit of passing volume in the second half of this game. And the fact that he's the best and maybe the only offensive weapon they have at this point, I'm not going to be worried about him bottoming out on you. Maybe his ceiling gets capped a little bit. But I still, my wide receiver six, I still very confident. Of course, you're playing him, and I'm not going to be too concerned about it. Now, we have a question here about AP. Do you trust him as a flex possibility? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I have Adrian Peterson at RB27. I have Jeremy McNichols at RB29. Now, it's going to be a little bit tricky to kind of figure out exactly, okay, are they really going to give him all the carries the first week off the street? It's not going to be all of them, obviously, but does he get the majority of them? I do think he winds up with the majority of them the first day. The first report about Adrian Peterson, the second he showed up to practice this week, was this. AP looks like he's kept himself in NFL game shape while he's been waiting to you know, sign and join with the team and still continue to play football this season. <laughs> I mean, right away, they're like, he's in NFL game shape, day one. Adrian Peterson's a freak. He doesn't, he doesn't operate by normal human standards, okay? Even for normal NFL, you know, superhuman standards, he operates on a whole other level besides that. I mean, he's a freak. So even at 36 years old, he comes in, they're like, hey, it looks like he's in that whole game shape. Off the street. It's ridiculous. This is not a great game script for him. He's not going to get 20 carries. He's not going to get 18 carries in this game. But can he get 12 to 15? Does he get utilized in the red zone? I think both those things are very possible. Which is why I have him as RB27 coming in this week. And I have him two spots ahead of Jeremy Nichols. I don't think they trust him running the ball too much. Now, he'll get his pass catchers, and this game script going into the game sets up to be more of a Jerry McNichols game because they, they should have to throw the ball more. And being that they lack you know, weapons, especially if Julio Jones can't play or gets injured during the game, which is both high probabilities, they're probably going to use Jerry McNichols to check down to. So in full point PPR, I have Jerry McNichols ranked ahead of Adrian Peterson. But in half points, because I do believe if they get inside the red zone, we're going to see AP on the field. We're not going to see McNichols on the field. It's going to be AP there. He's going to have the upside for the touchdown. I do have him ranked ahead in half point and in standard. So, yes, both of them are flex plays for me. I think you can utilize both those guys. But I do have AP there as somebody you can trust. You don't really care about anything else on the Tennessee Titans. We go to the Rams side. I don't know how much analysis to really give here. You're playing everybody. Uh, the only thing I would say is this. Matthew Stafford didn't practice again today. Now, I'm still being told it's more of a precaution than anything else. 
does, you know, his back's a little stiff. They're making sure to take it easy on him. Do I think Stafford needs to practice every single day to play? No, I don't. We'll look tomorrow to see if he's able to get a limited uh, participant in practice or not. We're also keeping our eye on Robert Woods with the foot issue. We'll see what his practice report is tomorrow. We'll get an official word on him. But assuming everything, buddy's good to go, and that's been the narrative coming out of the Rams that they expect them to play on Sunday night. Matthew Stafford's my QB three this week. Even Robert Woods, my wide receiver, 22. It's it's it gets dwarfed in comparison to Cooper Cup as far as the production goes, but he's still been he's been a wide receiver too. Ever since his big game that Thursday night, he's been a wide receiver too every single week since. He's getting involved in the rushing game. He's scoring some touchdowns. So as long as that will keep him alive while Cooper Cup, you know, goes donkey conking everybody every single week, apparently. And I expect no different this week. He's my number one receiver. There's, there's not a better matchup than the Tennessee Titans for wide receivers. So you love Cooper Cup here. You're playing Robert Woods here. And then we get to the conversation about Van Jefferson. He comes in at wide receiver 39 for me, and I might wind up moving him up a little bit more. I think he's a legitimate low-end wide receiver three with some upside. We've seen him kind of take over the big play role within this offense, which is a little bit weird because it's not really his skill set. But because so much attention has to get paid to Cooper Cup and has to get paid to Robert Woods, he just finds himself getting open running that, you know, that deep route, that deep threat down the seam. So he has potential for those bigger plays. We saw last week. He had a couple bigger plays and he got into the end zone. And again, usage-wise, I've brought this up the last couple of weeks to make sure you guys are paying attention to this. And why he made my waiver wire report on Tuesday. He's running the same amount of routes and playing the same amount of snaps, basically, as a Robert Woods and a Cooper Cup. Because remember, the Rams are predominantly a three-receiver team. That's their base offensive formation. He's out there as much as they are. So in a nice matchup like this, where the Rams, no matter if they're beating a team by two or three scores, they still throw the ball all the way through the fourth quarter. He's got a chance here against Tennessee to put up a nice little performance here. So he is somebody that you're looking to flex. You're looking for a spot start. He's in that range, and he has that upside in this matchup where I'd be okay playing Van Jefferson if you needed to. Of course, he's running the risk of being just left out completely, which is why I say if you need to. But I like him here in this spot. Darrell Henderson has my RB8. He's been an RB1 all week, all, all year long. I don't know why that would change here against Tennessee. You like the matchup. You like the spot. He's been scoring almost every single week. Darrell Henderson, you fire him up and play him. Tyler Higby, he's been the disappointing one. He's been the guy getting left out consistently because of the emergence of Van Jefferson. He does come in at tight end 14, which makes the argument that he's in my streaming range of tight ends. That's because of the offense, and that's because he's playing a lot. He's running routes a lot. He's just not getting targeted a lot. Uh, That's become really the main issue. So, He's out there due to process, not necessarily results. It depends on what you have available to you this particular week. As far as betting this game goes, <laughs> the Rams are favored at minus eight. Overrunner set at 53. That's pretty aggressive. Uh, given the way these two teams are constituted, I wouldn't bet against it. I wouldn't bet for it, though, either. Because I do see a scenario in which the Tennessee Titans offense can kind of falls flat on its face. Remember, the Rams defense is playing a lot better as of late, too. I do think the Rams cover. I'm not going to call it a lock bet of the week, but I do think the Rams cover minus eight against the Tennessee Titans, who have to kind of refine themselves, reassert themselves, not having Derrick Henry. 
It's in Los Angeles. The Rams are looking like the Super Bowl favorites right now because Tampa Bay is reeling defensively. Give me the Rams minus eight in this game. I feel pretty good about not going to call it a lock bet of the week, but I feel pretty good about it. I do think I am going to bet it. So I always make sure I tell you guys I'm going to bet this game. That is a game I think I am going to go in on. Let's go to our last game for week nine. Talking about a incredibly abysmal, boring Monday night game. There was talk at one point that they were going to allow Monday night games to start to have the ability to flex out like Sunday night games do. Once Once we hit a certain point of the season, they allow Sunday night games to kind of flex in and out. I hope they do that for Monday night games. I don't. Who wants to watch the Steelers and the Bears go at it on Monday night? I mean, besides the Steelers and the Bears fans themselves, you want to talk about a game that has like, you know, twenty-seven total points written all over it—a seventeen to ten game. Because the problem is this: the Steelers are a better team, but because Ben Roethlisberger is so inept, and because that offense is so anemic. They only put up 17, 20 points even against crappy defenses, which the Bears are without Khalil Mack, and they are expected to be without Khalil Mack once again. So that's that's the problem. That's what we have to look forward to on Monday Night Football. From a fantasy standpoint, let's start with the Bears side. David Montgomery is apparently trying to work his way back. Now, they, they activated him, which I'm fine with. You want to get the guy practice reps before you bring him back. That's That part's fine. But and this is probably because Matt Nagy was allowed back in the building after COVID. He was back in the building today from the COVID issue. And uh, I think he needs to go back on another sabbatical for the sake of the Chicago Bears. Because he comes back and all of a sudden he's like, well, I'm hopeful that I can at least utilize David Montgomery in a limited capacity on Monday. What are you talking about? You have a bye week next week. Khalil Herbert has been fantastic. Why, on God's green earth, would you not just have Devon, David Montgomery come back after the bye week? Completely 100% healthy. Allow Cleo Herbert to go up against the vaunting defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially against the run. He did it well against Tampa Bay. He could maybe do it well against Pittsburgh if he's getting all the snaps. But more importantly, why put David Montgomery at risk? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But that's Bat Nagy for you. So I don't think he should play. We'll see if he does. He practiced on the capacity today. We'll see if he practices again tomorrow. Remember, it's a Monday night game, so today was kind of their Wednesday practice. So we'll have to monitor this throughout the week. You're not playing him. Even if David Montgomery does go out there, you're not playing him at all because the expectation would be that he'd be on a very limited snap count. And who knows? Maybe he would be active just for emergency purposes because Damian Williams is probably not going to be activated for this game. So maybe he'd be active for that reason and not actually play. I think that's more likely than them actually putting him out there in any kind of significant way. So I'm still going to stick with Khalil Herbert as a mid-level to low-end RB2 this week. He comes in at RB17. Again, you don't love the matchup, but if he's going to get all the volume, and I am expecting that he will, you pretty much saw his floor last week, and his floor was 72 yards. I'll live with that. He's been running great. He's been scoring touchdowns for the most part. The Steelers defense, while a a tough defense to run on, still not the same defense that they were. Still not quite the same defense. So I'm not too worried about this moving forward. So Khalil Herbert, a must start for me this week, even in a tough spot on Monday Night Football. The only other bear I'm going to remotely consider is Darnell Mooney. 
he is the number one target despite Allen Robinson being on the team. I, I have no words for it, but that's the reality we're living in today. Darnell Mooney gets the most targets. It is technically a nice spot for wide receivers against the Steelers. They're going to have to at least pass the ball a bit, you would think. Probably have to take some shots in the second half because I, I do expect the Steelers to win this game. So Darnell Mooney comes in at wide receiver 36 for me. There is a significant boom-to-bust ratio here that you have to be aware of, of course, because the Bears and Matt Nagy's back in the fold. So, you know, that might throw any goodwill they had last week. Because honestly, I thought their offense performed well last week. They lost the game against the 49ers, but I thought the offense looked more alive last week than it had at any point this season. And the only difference was Matt Nagy wasn't around. So he comes back, and who knows, that might all go out the window. But Mooney does come in as somebody that I'm considering as a low-end wide receiver three, given the target volume he's seen and the matchup here and the game script that we're expecting. I'd still go other options if you have them, but he is an option for me. That's it for the Bears. I don't care about anybody else. That includes Justin Fields, by the way. So he finally ran for 100 yards and a rushing touchdown last week, which is great. And if he starts to do that consistently, yeah, he'll jump up my board and we'll start talking about him as a fantasy, as a top 12 fantasy quarterback every single week. But that was the first week we did it. And again, as I said, the only difference was Matt Nagy wasn't around and now he's back. I got to see him run when Matt Nagy's actually sitting there on the sideline. I got to see it before I can ever trust it. So Justin Fields is still not somebody that I'm trying to play from a fantasy standpoint this week, especially against the Steelers to begin with anyway. Now on the Steelers side of the ball, it, pretty, it stays pretty much straightforward. Najee Harris, my RB3 in the week. You like the match against the Bears. They haven't been very good against the run, especially without Khalil Mack. And, of course, with Najee Harris, you know you're always going to get a ton of volume. Deontay Johnson comes in at my wide receiver 10. Receivers have been going off against the Bears, and we know he'll get double-digit targets no matter what. They might only be around the line of scrimmage. He might have to bust one on the screen like he did last week, but we know the volume, the matchup is there. He actually comes in at wide receiver 10 for me. I like Deontay Johnson a lot this week. Chase Claypool, wide receiver 26. High-end wide receiver 3, low-end wide receiver 2 is going to be about the range for Chase Claypool. He finally has the floor without Juju Smith-Schuster with the targets. And if anybody is going to get thrown a big play too, it would be Chase Claypool. So he's somebody who continues to be a higher-end wide receiver three for me, and I think he pretty much will almost every week. The other question a lot of people have is Pat Freermuth. Where is he at on your streaming board? He comes in at tight end 19 for me. I might move him up a little bit more once we get an official you know, activation or inactivation on Eric Ebron. But he's still a lower-end streaming option. You still should have better options than a Pat Freermuth, but he is in that conversation if Eric Ebron cannot go. That's going to do it for our preview matchups, though. So guess what time it is? The mail's here. Remember, if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do is hit us up on social media, at BellyUpMDFFShow. DM us. We'll answer all your questions, pick out a few of my favorite ones, and I'll put it on the show and give you guys a nice little shout-out. So first off, we got Frankie. He's asking me, Emmanuel Sanders or Boston Scott in the flex? It's Emmanuel Sanders playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. He got goose last week, which pretty much guarantees he'll make sure he gets involved this week. Cole Beasley has not practiced two days in a row now. So now we're starting to lean towards a chance that maybe Cole Beasley doesn't suit up. Dawson Knox is not expected to suit up. 
So it might be all Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders out there against a great matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I'm going Emmanuel Sanders all the way. I already talked about with Boston Scott, his floor comes from the fact that the Eagles may decide to go back to what they've done the majority of the season and just decide, hey, we're not going to run the ball this game. So with that possibility in mind, it's definitely Emmanuel Sanders for me, Frankie. Austin, he asked me, Zach Moss or Jeremy McNichols? Zach Moss. Pound the Buffalo Bills against the Jackson uh, Jaguars this week. I, uh, look, I know Moss and them Singletary, they make it hard on each other's RB3s, but what's Jeremy McNichols? I mean, we don't know fully yet. The best he can be is an RB3 because you're hoping he gets all his passing down work. Well, Zach Moss is playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars, so now he's having a very good chance for a touchdown. He's been starting to lead the way in routes run. And as we come to find from a few weeks ago, when the Bills go up big in the fourth quarter, Zach Moss is the guy who gets to salt the game away. There's a good chance he winds up in that situation again this week. So yeah, all the way, Zach Moss over Jerry McNichols there, Austin. Sharif, rest of season, PPR, Debo Samuel or DJ Moore? I loved this question. I did. I loved this question. So look, right now you have to say, Debo Samuel. Have to. Have to, have to, have to. But, I'm going to put this but caveat in there. But, the calf injury's cropping up. Debo Samuel has, I know I've talked about this the last few weeks, but I'm going to keep harping on it. He has that injury history where he misses at least three to four games a year. He's been pretty good so far this year, but we're starting to see signs of the chink in the armor popping up on the injury report. I hate Sam Darnold, the burning passion, but he knows how to get one guy the ball. That one guy is going to be DJ Moore the rest of the season. So while Moore might not be putting up the wide receiver one performances he was early on, he's going to have a safe floor every single week. And because he's DJ Moore, he can always break one and go off for a game. So I, I actually think there's a chance DJ Moore, because I, I'm more confident in him, being healthy all year long, that more could wind up actually being a little bit better rest of the season. But right now, I have to say Debo Samuel because all things being equal, the offense, Debo himself, every everything's you know it's it's by far Debo. And I don't think Sam Darnold is ever going to turn this thing back around and play like he did the first three weeks to boost DJ Moore back up to a wide receiver one status. That's not going to happen either. The true colors of Darnold are out. They're here to stay for the rest of the season until Carolina moves on from him presumably next year, before 2022. But I do think this is a more interesting question than what it looks like on the surface. Last but not least, we got Andrew. Should I drop Noah Fant for Logan Thomas? Well, first of all, that's a heck of a choice to make. I wonder what kind of league you're in, that those are your choices at tight end. But second of all, yeah, I would. I Honestly, I would. Noah Fant not only has to deal with Jerry Judy being back and the target loss that comes with that, but now apparently he's in a two-way share with Albert O. He's in a two-way share with Albert O. Logan Thomas comes in. He's going to be the second pass targeted receiver to Terry McLaurin. Rest of the way. You trust his floor every single week. Noah Fant, you never know what you're going to get. And that's even That was even before Jerry Judy came back. You never knew what you were going to get. So yeah, rest of the season, which is basically what this question winds up becoming. Who do you like better rest of the season? Andrew, it's Logan Thomas. 10 out of 10. 
over Noah Fant. Put in one last question here from Dan. Thoughts on my trade of Williams, Mike Williams and Khalil Herbert for Devontae Adams. Uh, yeah, Dan, you won that trade. You got Devontae Adams. Look, eventually Aaron Rodgers is going to be back. Eventually this whole thing will get figured out, whether it's next week, the week after, whatever. He'll be back. Devontae Adams is a stud. He's one of the few elite receivers left, in my opinion, the rest of the season. And Mike Williams, even if he's very good, which I do think he will be, Khalil Herbert's still just a backup to David Montgomery. You know, so he's only valuable if he's if David Montgomery's hurt, which he should be back and I think fully healthy. And before this, wasn't somebody who dealt with injury very often. So, yeah, you won that deal, especially having Devontae Adams second half of the season for a championship run. Good job, Dan. That's going to do it for the show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. We'll be back again tomorrow from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. And we'll be back live on social media and on YouTube with the MD's DFS contest and the lock bets of the week at 9 p.m. Eastern. Mr. Chaz Flaherty from Sports Betting Weekly will come on. Chris and I will talk about our DraftKings lineup cards for our free MD's DFS contest, which, of course, will post out the link. I already did it once. We'll post out the link all weekend long and during the show. Make sure you join. We give away you know, the, free, the easy sports betting data, one free week of that. And this week, we'll kick off the November giveaway for the championshipfootballs.com, and we'll be announcing the winner of October. So a lot of exciting things going on in tomorrow night's show. Make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite pod streaming app so you can catch every single MD's fantasy football show that we put out. I'm Dan Maynard. Good luck tonight, and we'll see you guys again tomorrow night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22.